Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC 880 and 92.9 The Revolution. Be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website. That's speakingoftravel.net. And be sure to sign up to join the Speaking of Travel Travel Club. We've got lots of fun things in store for 2018, so go ahead and get your name down and be looking out for that first newsletter. It'll be a lot of fun. There'll be pictures and travel tips and all kinds of good travel information. And listen, here's some really big news. If you go to our station's website, you can enter to win a pair of four-day tickets to Merlefest. The drawing is April 16th, so be sure you enter today. That's Merlefest, you guys. You've got to enter to win. So I am excited. The Asheville Regional Airport has some new great news. They're going to start nonstop flights over to Denver, Colorado in May, and that is going to be really great. We're going to get to just get on a plane and get off, and you're in the Rocky Mountains, so you can leave the Great Smokies and get on over there to the Great Rocky Mountains and come back. It's going to be just really great to do that. And listen, if you're looking for a place to to buy here in Western North Carolina, you need to check out my buddy over at Appalachian Realty. That's AppalachianRealty.com. They can help you find the perfect farm or, you know, an a, a, a townhouse or a condo. There's so many different ways to live here in Asheville in Western North Carolina. Well, listen, you know by now that I love to travel and I love to travel with my friends. I've always, always had such a fun time when I travel with my friends. And I know a lot of people who travel with their spouses. In fact, I did an entire show about traveling with your better half and came to find out that most couples who travel together really do have a fun time once they've worked out all their, um, you know, kinks and who likes what and, and all of that. If you're mindful of each other's likes and dislikes, you can really make it into having a fun, fun time. But traveling with your sibling... I mean, your twin, in fact. Now, I've heard that traveling with someone as close to you as your twin sibling might have a lot of benefits, but I wasn't sure. So I thought, you know what, let's find out. So I've got two great guests today. One is sitting here in the studio. It's Greg Lavoie. His brother, his twin brother, Ross, is out in Santa Cruz, California, joining us today. They're twin brothers, originally from New York City. Greg currently lives here in Asheville, Ross in Santa Cruz. Greg is an author and teacher, and Ross is a business owner. And you know what? They love to travel together. And I am so excited to find out, because I've heard these tales, these tall tales of twin siblings traveling, Greg, and I want to hear more about it. Okay, got a deal. Welcome to the show, Greg and Ross. Thank you you both for being here today. Our pleasure. Awesome. So, listen, I want to find out. You, you're you both from originally from New York, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, what did you travel when you were a kid? What was it like for you growing up in New York? What do you think, Ross? Go for it, Greg. Uh, well, my mother tells us that we took trips every weekend 
when we were growing up, mostly in the winters, because we were a ski family. So we were on the road, she said, every weekend. So we were just used to packing up and, and hitting the road. And um, and my mother, uh, later in life, she just had a, an obsession with travel. She just loved to get out and travel. So we just picked up the gene. Picked up the gene and loved to travel. Now, I have to ask, are you identical twins or... Uh, are not fraternal fraternal yeah yeah so and, and we look identical i've seen <laughs> pictures and i'm going to be posting them out there you do look pretty much the same what do you have a small gene pool going on in that family i guess so <laughs> something like that something like that so l- let's talk a little bit about your growing up do you have other siblings we do we have one older brother who's a little less than 2 years older than us so did he was part of this whole travel thing going on as well absolutely yeah yeah so when you were growing up you were traveling with your folks and doing stuff when did you start traveling out on your own the second we could yeah (laughs) so give me some idea of what that was like like what did you sit down and just say you know okay come on ross come on greg let's go somewhere yeah that was pretty much it especially when we were in college anytime there was a break break in semesters, summer vacation, we would get together. And if I was living, which I was at the time in Colorado, Greg would come out, he'd fly out, and I would pick him up at Denver Stapleton Airport in my car. I would put in Joe Sample Jazz on the cassette player, and we would just head to the setting sun and just go. (laughs) Oh, my God. And you must have just, I mean, you know, like I was saying in the intro, I've talked to people who are married couples and and even friends. You know, we have to have some boundaries and we talk about, you know, who wants to do this and who wants to do that. So it sounds like when you get together, you just kind of get up and go. Has it always been that way? Pretty much. I mean, we just, yeah, we've got it down to a science now. (laughs) It takes us, you know, minutes to get packed and get out somewhere. Um, Yeah. Pretty much. And then once you do get out, you're, you're compatible. You, you laugh and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. One of the beauties of it is that um, we have very similar tastes in terms of what we like to do, where we like to do it, the kind of travel we like to do, um, our thresholds for certain activities. I mean, it's really, really compatible in that way. And we even know within, it seems like, hours on the long trips that we take, because we take a month every year and we go to a different country. We seem to know within hours when it's time to take a break. And, and that's so Greg, will, Greg will get up one morning in the middle of our trip and look at me and go, so, Ross, what are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the cue. And it's never an issue. It's never spoken about. It's just we know when it's time to take a break from each other. And so we'll take a, a separate day. We'll spend the entire day on our own not being twins, which is refreshing in some ways and then we'll get back together for dinner and share stories yeah oh that sounds lovely and so much fun so how long has this been going on give me some idea (laughs) of um you know i don't want to ask how old you are but i i'm curious to how long this tradition has been going on that you take a month off oh that um i would say that particular tradition may be 10 years old but we've been traveling together uh, since college, and we're in our early 60s at the moment. So, you know, 40-plus years wow. of doing this together. 
So you just had this kind of epiphany at some point when you were in college and said, hey, let's go on a trip together, and boom, that was it? Yeah, absolutely. No, the, the epiphany probably started when we were three, but the ability to pull it off, <laughs> this didn't happen until we got wheels. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Right. So that first trip when you went, uh, when you were in college, you were living somewhere different. Yeah, I was living I in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And he was yeah. in Colorado. Ross, you were in Colorado? I was in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Boulder. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Boulder's and, sort of like the antidote to Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so that's true. Greg did come out to visit me in Colorado more than I went to Cincinnati to visit him. Yes, yeah. I can see that. Right. So once you got in the car and you just took off towards the towards the coast, I guess, right, that first yeah. time? Well, yeah, well, a bunch of times. When that happened, we often would go into the Colorado mountains, go over the, Col- the Rocky Mountains, into the desert country, because we're both desert rats. We loved being in red rock country and arches and canyon lands and all that area, and we would just go for a week and just go explore. Right. So you would pack up your backpacks and just... Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And did you find your time, like while you were exploring, I know that's, you know, when you get into exploring, is it um, sometimes a very meditative type of um, activity. Did you find that you both were comfortable just being quiet with each other? Oh, yeah, that doesn't seem to be an issue. Um, We don't tend to have meditative style vacations. (laughs) We tend to have thrill-seeking kind of vacations. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't you say, Ross? I would say. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we love museums and that kind of travel, but we tend to like thrill sports and adventure sports. So that tends to be the, the style of travel that we do. And it's, it's really about adrenaline and adventure and novelty and discovery. Well, all of those are some of my favorite points. So stay tuned. We'll be back. I want to find out more. Any real estate company's success is a reflection of its attention and care provided to its clients. Appalachian Realty Associates are proven to have the best agents around. And if you're looking for a place in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Hi, this is Tina Kinsey with Asheville Regional Airport, and I have a travel tip for you today. Did you know that we all have a very powerful travel assistant right in the palm of our hands? It's our cell phone, and it can be used wisely in a number of ways when you're taking a trip. Before your trip, email an itinerary to yourself, including all addresses, phone numbers, and directions. Take photos of your luggage and the tracking tag, just in case it gets lost. Download books, movies, and music to enjoy while on your journey. Use your phone as a GPS to find your way around. It's your clock, automatically adjusting to any new time zones. You can stay in touch with those at home. Most cell phones work around the globe. You may have to do a little research about this ahead of time, but worst case scenario, use Wi-Fi and free texting or messaging apps. Your phone is your alarm clock. You can use it to access the Internet while on your journey. And of course, it is your camera equipment, photos and videos. Did you know you can download video editing apps to make quick and easy vlogs about your trip? 
Have a great trip. This has been Tina Kinsey with Asheville Regional Airport. When you fly home, you're home. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Remember, you can listen anytime, anywhere in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. That's Speaking of Travel. And be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website. That's speakingoftravel.net. You'll see links to all past podcasts. You can plug those in and you can listen anywhere, anytime while you're jogging or walking or doing your exercises or doing some of these adventurous things. Things like Greg and Ross Lavoy are talking about the twins who have been traveling together for many, 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 many years together. Welcome back. It's so Thanks. great to have you here. Thanks. And Thank you. Great to be here. You, Ross, out there in California telling us that you're getting ready for a big storm out there. Yep. I hope there's the biggest storm of the year. Oh, my goodness. Well, hunker down. (laughs) We will. So before the break, we were talking about how you look for adventures and novelty and not really a meditative kind of adventure. So give us some ideas to how you uh, you go out for a whole month. Uh, that in itself, I mean, how do you do that? You plan it ahead of time that this is the month that's going to work for both of you? Yep. And, yeah, and we, we organize a lot of it these days on the Internet before we even go. And so if we're doing an adventure trip, we'll book it before we leave. And so everything is all set up before we go. Well, give us some ideas to how you even go about deciding where you're going to go. Mm. Wow. Yeah, well, in the last many, many years, we tend to like exotic. Um, So we went to Europe for the first time together uh, on one of these trips last year. But before that, we tend to like off the beaten track. So we just... Um, have discussions about where do you want to go? And, you know, we're kind of spinning globes and looking at maps. And um, so we like things like Burma and Nepal and Southeast Asia and um, Peru and just things that are a little bit more off the beaten track Um, and uh, places where we can have physical adventures. That seems to be a big part of it. Um, Even when we went to Europe last year, we went to Norway, and uh, it turns out that is one of the most physically stunning countries we've ever seen and more natural beauty than any place we've ever seen, I think, um, even including Nepal. Um, So we're looking for places where we can do rafting and mountain biking and, um, you know, scuba diving and things like that. That's a a big part of our priority. And are a lot of... We also like places with ruins, lots of deep, old culture and history. We love walking around ruins and getting a sense of what the place was like 2,000 years ago. That sounds wonderful. So give me an idea of, uh, let's say in Norway, you're, you're there, and I guess ahead of time you knew that there were things that you wanted to do. Um, 
how did you decide, like, oh, we're here in Norway and we want to be able to take advantage of all this beautiful uh, uh, natural beauty and, and some of sure. the exciting things that, that we could do, like glacier hiking? Like, what, what made you think, oh, let's go do that? <laughs> because Norway has glaciers and Norway has fjords. That's, those are two of the things that Norway is most famous for. And both of us have been kayakers. So it was just a slam dunk to put together a kayak camping trip of the fjords. So we spent a bunch of time doing that. We organized with a local company in Norway to rent us the gear and the camping gear and the kayaks. And we just took off for four days and kayak camped through the fjords because they're there. Because we can, and they're there. <laughs> so you just did it. So a lot of these things, I would imagine, for you are firsts. I don't imagine that you'd gone glacier hiking in no. the past. No, that was a first. That was a first. So do you find yeah. that a lot of firsts happen when you go out and try these new things? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, yeah. I think a, a huge part of just our drive to do this at all is that we're novelty junkies. You know, and and in fact, people who study this stuff have found that people who tend to thrive the most over the course of their lives tend to score really high in novelty seeking. And of course, travel is great for that. Um, And so uh, there's just something that we're always looking for is what have we never done before? You know, and, you know, you go to another country and this. It's always going to be tons of stuff you've never done and never seen and people you've never talked to and cultures you've never encountered. And um, just you're just launched into the learning curve when you take a trip to another country, which makes me um, shocked to find out, as I did a couple of days ago, that 64 percent of Americans don't even have a passport. What? I looked it up. Thirty six percent of Americans have a valid passport. And that is shocking to me. It's like we need to get out of Dodge more often. Okay, listeners, I want you to make this something that you put on your to-do list now. Go get your passport, have it in your hand, be ready to get out of Dodge. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So let me, let's talk a little bit about that uh, you know, do you feel that that's something that you were born with, this kind of inertia to try something new? Or do you think it's something that was acquired? What do you think, Ross? Well, part of it was fostered by our parents. Mom was a traveler and dad was an alien. <laughs> the alien game. Yeah, it's something that he taught us growing up. It was called the alien. That's what he called it. It was called the alien game. And what it meant was that we would go out somewhere, and Dad would say, alien game, and he would point up to the sky to those white puffy things that float up there and say, what is that? What are the white formations that move through your atmosphere? Exactly. And so we would go, Dad, come on, they're clouds. And he would act the alien and go, clouds? Well, yeah, they're, they're, well, condensed Water? Water? And we would get a chance to deconstruct reality and see it through the eyes of an alien and and get a better understanding of the world and see the world that way. So we have taken that sort of training and gone out into the world, and it makes travel so much more interesting. Oh, yeah. 
And, you know, you look at the world through the eyes of an alien when you travel anyway, because literally you are. But it's a fascinating. It was great training. It was his favorite game to play with us and was great training for travel. So when all, all children are aliens. Anyone with kids has aliens living in the house. You ask any parent, they'll tell you that. Yeah. In fact, our older brother, Mark, um, has three kids. And he once said to me when the first one was born, he goes, in, in classic Spock-like fashion, he goes, Greg, it's fascinating watching the consciousness come into the creature. I love he it. He actually said it that way. <laughs> like, wow. Wow, indeed. <laughs> and I'm sure being... You know, traveling like you do, both of you, into these cultures that, like you were saying, are are exotic, uh, that many people might not even be aware of, mm. A, where they are geographically in right. our world, mm. and then B, who are these people, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating to to explore a culture that's really different. I mean, when Ross and I first went to Morocco, we couldn't even read the language. That was the first country we'd ever been to where we couldn't read the alphabet. And uh-huh. you know you're, you're not in Kansas anymore when you can't even read the alphabet or the street signs or anything like that. And um, Right. And yet, one of the things that Greg and I always do before we take a trip to any place is we spend a few months learning the language. We'll buy the books and study the language so that when we go there, we have more than just a passing tourist understanding of where's the bathroom and how much is this. Right. And we also... It opens up doors and we can have some conversations with people that are a little deeper than the usual tourist fare. And one of the first words that we make sure that we know in whatever language we're going to is the word for twin. Because it's uh, being a twin is we're as much of a tourist attraction for other people as they are to us, right? Um, because it's unusual, and so we always learn the word. So in Spanish, what is it in Spanish, Ross? Gemelo. Oh, gemelo, or twam in Arabic, or twilling in Norwegian, or jumlia. Uh, is, is that right? Jumlia, Ross, in Nepali. Jumlia, jumlia, or amwa in Burmese. So we always know this, and in those moments, and it happens a hundred times on a trip, where we get that look from people where their eyes are flicking back and forth between us, and we can tell what they're doing. They're trying to figure this out. And when you can say the word for twin in their language in that moment, it's a great door opener. A great door opener indeed. Well, thank you both so much. We'll be right back on the Gourmet Highway. With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. Any real estate company's success is a reflection of its attention and care provided to its clients. Appalachian Realty Associates are proven to have the best agents around. And if you're looking for a place in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. As newcomers flocked to Asheville over the last 50 years, they joined with locals to breathe new energy into the city. 
Maryland Ball traces the bonds of community that give rise to Asheville today in her book, The Rise of Asheville, an exceptional history of community building. It's available at Malaprops, Barnes & Noble, Loft on Broadway, and Amazon.com. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away. Starting at Asheville Regional Airport. Fly Allegiant, American, Delta, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on We're catching up on the Gourmet Highway down in Montgomery, Alabama today. Hey, Doc, lots going on in Montgomery these days, I hear. Hello, Marilyn. Can you hear Nat King Cole's lovely song, Unforgettable, playing in the background? Well, we're in Montgomery, Alabama, right in the heart of Dixie and the birthplace of the great crooner Nat King Cole and many many others. This is the heart of Dixie and it's filled with irony and pleasures as much of the south is. Just up the way from the Alabama River is Dexter Avenue Baptist Church where Dr. King began his ministry many years ago. You can stand on the front of the steps of this church and you can see the state capital of Alabama where in 1861 Jefferson Davis was sworn in as president of the Confederacy. The Southern Poverty Law Center is just around the corner. Rosa Parks Museum is right here. The museum for Hank Williams is here. The countless museums are here. There's so much history, so much healing, so much joy, and I love coming here. Let's have some dinner, and I want you to be my guest, Marilyn, at Central Restaurant. This is my friend Jerry Kaiser's masterpiece. It's at an old warehouse in a reclamation district, and it's the equal of anything that I've dined in Manhattan or San Francisco. This is the New South cuisine with the wines of the world, and man, is it marvelous. How about some barbecue? Let's go on over to Dreamland, maybe tomorrow when we've worked up another appetite, and have some of the great ribs, brisket, pork, chicken served anywhere on this planet. There are mom and pop cafes all over Montgomery. Some are country cooking, some soul food, and more than a few are Korean. This is the North American headquarters of Hyundai, and the Korean community is a big plus for Montgomery, and this is a community that loves the South, believe me. The Alabama Shakespeare Festival is where I'm going tonight. And I want to take in a play at this shrine of American letters and literature and playwrights and acting. The Alabama Shakespeare Festival is also the headquarters of the Southern Writers Project. Play after play after play has originated here and gone directly from Alabama straight to Broadway. Amazing, isn't it? One place that I love to go is the Scott and Zelda Fitzgerald Museum. This is where the great author and his very, very, very interesting and beautiful wife first lived. And today you can go, and if you're like me, you're going to be looking for the great Gatsby and Daisy. 
I'll let you know, Marilyn, if I spot them anywhere. Montgomery was pretty much the home of the greatest outlaw singer of all time, the great Hank Williams. This is where Hank is buried, not too far from where my great-great-grandfather was buried after being wounded and died during the American Civil War. Hank's museum is here, and they have inside the Cadillac where they found him dead at age 29 on New Year's Day long, long ago. Montgomery was the home of the great Rosa Parks, second only to Dr. King in breaking down the cruel walls of racial segregation. Well, Maryland, it's about time for old Doc to tell this beautiful city in the Deep South goodbye for now, but I'll be back soon. I'll come in May where I can see The Miracle Worker, the great story of Helen Keller at the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. Until then, this is Doc Lawrence for the Gourmet Highway and for speaking of travel with Marilyn Ball, saying goodbye and I'll see you soon in your own city. Wow, so much to see and do and so much history. Thanks, Doc. Talk to you next week on the Gourmet Highway. Well, speaking of highways, Greg and Ross Lavoie talking to us about being on many highways over many years, traveling together as twins. Well, you're not traveling as twins. You are twins. Right. <laughs> like, well, let's dress up like twins today. Here, put on your mustache. <laughs> right? Like Patty Duke. <laughs> anyway, that was fun. Um Listening to you talking about going to Morocco and not being able to read the language. I, you know, so how do you communicate with people? Give us an idea of what that's like. You know a little bit of the language, but, you know, in a country where you don't, what happens? Ross? Well, you want to take this one, Greg? Um, what happens? Um, you know, we learn whatever Berlitz uh, language we've, we've studied before we go and a lot of mime. You know, Um, and, uh, you know, part of the problem with learning a language to some degree is that you come across as sounding more articulate in their language than you actually are. And so, you you know, you may have practiced these phrases. And then when you you say them and it sounds like, you know, the language, they come back at you with the barrage of Arabic or Burmese or whatever. And you're lost. And, and, And it's because you're. They think you know the language better than you do. So it's a little tricky to learn the language. But the, the door opener of just being willing to take the time to learn somebody else's language, even rudimentary, um, is, a, is a real door opener. It really makes people feel like you, you care. I think that sounds um, so true that yeah. you – I know when I meet people from other countries here in our you – know, who, who are learning English – when they make an effort to speak English, uh, it it adds a connection. Right. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Right. And and also just you know, I, I mentioned this, but being a twin is really um, it's like an ambassadorial uh, factor. You know, it really opens the door because people are fascinated by it. And in some cultures, I think I mean, wouldn't you say this, Ross, in like Burma and Nepal, places like that? Um, people almost think of twins as a good luck charm. And everybody wanted to have their picture taken with us. I mean, you didn't see that with other Westerners. So clearly it was something about being a twin. Well, and you're... it seems to confer some sort of celebrity status or... Right. Something that 
just makes people want to interact with us so that we're not just being tourists in their country. They're also getting to learn something about our culture. And like Greg said, we are kind of anybody who travels is a representative of the country they come mm. from. And sometimes I think maybe Americans don't have the best reputation as world travelers. <laughs> and so I, I take it as a personal story that I want to be as good a representative, not only of myself, but of my country as I can be. And so I take an extra effort to learn the language, to yeah. study the culture, and to be more of a listener than a talker. <laughs> I find I, I don't learn things when I'm, my mouth is moving. I learn things when it's not moving and I'm listening and I'm trying to take things mm. in. I think people who we travel around feel that. That It reminds me of a story Greg told of some American who set up a table in a foreign country with a sign that said, American, willing to listen. That yeah. is really beautiful. And, and she got an earful, too. <laughs> well, do you find that people, um, especially now, given the climate in our country, uh, are are more uh, compassionate, perhaps, to our well, plight? <laughs> perhaps puzzled would be a better word. Yeah. Uh, when we think? went to Norway... I decided, uh, you know, I don't really actually want to advertise that I'm American. Let's tell them we're Canadian. <laughs> yeah, well, that was, that's always the default. Nobody doesn't like Canadians. But we found that the Norwegian people, when they would hear our accent, of course, everybody there speaks English, they would say, you know, we in Europe understand you didn't want him as your president. I'm not saying that's true for everyone, but they understood that it was a... Uh, a difficult issue for many Americans, and they would say that almost as, as a default thing to say, that they understand this may not have been our choice for everyone in America. You and, know, yeah, go ahead. Go so there's this this interesting concept called citizen diplomacy. Have you ever run across this? This is just citizen d diplomats are just ordinary citizens of any country that when they travel abroad, they take responsibility for um, building bridges with other people, one-to-one -one exchanges, person-to-person -person exchanges, and that that's part of peace building and community building and whatnot. And travelers, in a sense, have that responsibility um, to be citizen diplomats. I think you're absolutely <laughs> right, and we all need to be... Um in that mindset, you know, to be able to really uh, be in that mindset and as representatives of our country, like you were saying, Ross, stand up and show our best selves. Yeah. Right. Thanks. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract, engage, Engage and connect with Latino customers. Any real estate company's success is a reflection of its attention and care provided to its clients. Appalachian Realty Associates are proven to have the best agents around. And if you're looking for a place in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. 
Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away. Starting at Asheville Regional Airport, fly Allegiant, American, Delta, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Hey, thanks for listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and today we're talking with Greg and Ross Lavoie. They're twins. They travel every year for a month together. It's been um, quite an adventure just listening to your adventures, you guys. <laughs> I mean, really, you are going all over the place. Give us some ideas of some of the... You talked about Burma. You talked about Norway. Yeah. You've talked about... You went to Peru. Uh, give us some ideas some other places that you've been to. Ross? Well, Nepal really stands out for me. That was one of the most epic trips I've ever taken. Partly just in terms of um, the physical stamina it took to do some of the things we were doing there, but also because it's the home of Mount Everest. And we did an Everest base camp trek, which is right up there with the top two or three most exciting things I've ever done. Well, tell me more. What was that like? <laughs> oh, difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, you know, a week of trekking higher and higher and higher into the Himalaya. And if one thing I remember about that is there were tens of thousands of steps. And each step, you know, they're rock steps that they've made over centuries. And each one is between 12 and 18 inches high. So you are getting serious Stairmaster work just doing <laughs> the trek. And sometimes the altitude was also a problem. But the scenery and the people and the just experience of it was just so we get up to one of the high points on that particular trek, a little town called Tengboche, which has a monastery. And we get up there, and the first thing that we meet is a couple of twin boys in identical blue parkas. And Ross and I had identical red ones because they were given to us by the outfitter that provided our porter. And so these two twins, and we got our photos taken by one of the monks at the, at the monastery. <laughs> that is such a great story. <laughs> Um, I would also say, for me, one of the absolute highlights of my travel life with Ross or anything is was Morocco. Morocco was like something out of um, the Arabian Nights. It was so exotic. Um, top two or three for me was Fez. The, the ancient Medina in Fez, Morocco, is like Sinbad the Sailor. Unbelievable um, stuff. And the... Um, overnight camel trek that we took into the Sahara where we were um, sleeping in oases and playing drums late into the night with Berbers. Um, it was like, is this really happening? Are we really here? Is, are those really camels sleeping under date palms in the Sahara? I mean, you know, you just kind of try to place yourself in some of these locales and they're real and they really exist. And that's one of the amazing things about travel is that when you're at a place and you realize, my God, this really does exist. These places really do exist. It's like the ultimate alien game. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So yeah. where are you going next? Well, um, 
Israel. We're actually going to go to Israel. Um, and um, I'm working on Ross on this one. He's not quite so sure. But uh, after that, I really want to go to Iran. Um, I've met somebody recently um, from Iran, and she says it's safe as long as you stay away from the borders of Syria and Iraq. But it's safe, and they love Americans. And it's very westernized. Well, I've interviewed a couple of people on my show who have traveled to Iran and have told those very stories. Okay. Um, Ross. All right. I'm listening. All right. All right. You'll have to go to my website, speakingoftravel.net, and you will find uh, a couple of people. It'll tell you in the description uh, who have been to Iran. One is a... um, he was a high school principal for 30 years, and he traveled there with a small, very small group. And he told us about how the Iranian people love the American people so much. Mm. And uh, and there was just a kinship of uh, camaraderie. So I would encourage you to look into that and, and definitely uh, – Explore that okay. option. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there a, you go. It looks like an absolutely beautiful, interesting country. Yes. Right. If you love Morocco. Partly, <laughs> partly also because it's our heritage. And our mother went there a few years before she passed away, and she had a very deep. You're talking about Israel. Israel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Israel. We right. had a very deep experience of being in Israel, and, you know, she was the daughter of people who went through the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And so it was very important for her to go back to those roots, even though we weren't really a practicing family. We are very much a, a cultural Jewish family. Yeah, we're, we're bagely Jews. We're not like religious Jews. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so you've never been. This will be your first trip. Yeah. Well, I'll have to have yeah. you back on the show after you come back from that trip okay. and hear all about it, because, you, um, you know, we were talking earlier, and I, and I kind of want to just dive in just a little bit more of you know the the culture you go and you know Ross I really I I so love the uh the idea that you study up on the history and that the history and the culture of the people um of the um of the country that sure. where you're going is such an important part you know, for most people, yeah. a lot of people, yeah. it's like, oh, the food and the uh, the attractions. And the shopping. And the shopping. Oh, they have great <laughs> shopping. Uh, so talk a little bit more about that. You've been to yeah, some pretty you know, exotic places. Right. And, you know, in some ways, going to the country is really like the final exam of a course, because I've been studying it for six months, because we are planning these trips six to nine months before we go partly to make our reservations in time, but partly to give at least myself time to study. And it's one of the things I love to do is to immerse myself in as much reading as I can so I understand the place I'm going to. And then when you're finally there, like I said, it is sort of the final exam. You get to really see how much you've learned, see how much what you've learned has influenced how you feel about the place, maybe how you feel differently about the place than you did before you started doing the research. So it's always an, an eye-opener for me and a learning experience, and I try with an open mind so that if I have any story going into learning about a country, I'm open to having it changed. Hmm. 
And also, when we come back, we now have an affinity for that country. And so we follow it in the news and we're more interested in it. And it just kind of broadens our frame of reference for the world. And, you know, this may be over-addressing this issue about travel, but to me, actually, it's part of my spiritual life because my working definition of spirituality is the work of creating a bond with whatever's bigger than me. Some people would call that God. It could be community. You know, or um, it could be the natural world or just even my own potential. But what it's connection with whatever's greater than myself and travel really amps that up. And so it just broadens our sense of connection to what's bigger than us, which is other cultures and other uh, peoples and their issues. And we follow I find myself following that in the news more after we visited a country. It becomes, um, you know, closer to my heart. And and it I want to make sure that everybody also recognizes that what Greg and Ross are, are saying is true even here in our own backyard. Mm, absolutely. You know, there are, there are different cultures and different traditions and different people uh, all over our great country. Right. Um, yeah. I always say, look, if you want to, you know, you want to visit a different culture, try something new, meet new people, go to Mississippi, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and yet th- that's a way that you, what you're saying is to connect, to, to feel that you're a part of something that is bigger than you. Right. It's not just about right. what is going on in our own backyard with the people that we know and, and what's familiar. Right. And also just expanding right. your definition of backyard. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have now taken that backyard definition globally. Right. And being able to, you know, and and I want to find out just from both of you real quick, you know, and you kind of touched on it, Greg, but when you come back, you know, the impact of uh, adding into your life Mm. all this new newness um, and that you've stretched out of your own familiar spot. Right. What is that doing for you as you move on in your life? Well, one of the things it does for me is um, in terms of travel it makes me I'm, – I'm starting to consider, and Ross and I have been talking about, ways to add a service component into our travel, not just to go as tourists, but um, uh, to be become involved in wherever we go and make part of it about service. Uh, I don't know what this exactly – you know, volunteer vacations or, you know, helping a village dig a well or uh, teaching ESL for a week or whatever it happens to be um, – but to add that component, and so that's something that we're dialoguing about. I think that's really great. And, Ross, I want to hear from you, too, before we go. How is this making you feel as a human being as you come back trip after trip? It makes me much more of an understanding person about what is going on in my backyard. Because it's lessons that are applicable in Morocco and around the corner. Mm. People everywhere are going through the same things. It gives me more of a sense of our shared humanity. And they always say that the, the real work in the world happens at home, in yourself to begin with, among your friends, among your peers, among your community. And so the lessons I've gotten of the shared humanity that I see in the world, I get to bring back and apply and try to work on the, the stories, the prejudices, the fears that I hold in my world and make them less of an issue for myself and hopefully have that ripple out and improve my world 
closer to home. Bravo. Well, thank you both so much for being on the show. Ross and Greg, it's been a pleasure. It's really fun. I want to have you back. So thank you. <laughs> right. Keep on going. All right. Hey, You're this welcome. is Marilyn. You. you bet. This is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel. Go out and have a great week. And remember, don't postpone joy. Right.